It was Halloween time in Detroit, Michigan. The Motor City was lit up with spooky decorations, street lights, and glowing pumpkins on front porches. The night was young as trick-or-treaters started filling the streets. A 15-year-old James Anderson decided to join his same-age friends in trick-or-treating this year. They all figured they only had a few years left before naturally maturing and moving away from the annual spooky festivities. James went all out with his costume. His friends were dressed casually as Woody from Toy Story, and the other friend was Pennywise from the hit classic, It. They banded together and planned how they were going to tackle the neighborhood and maximize their candy intake. A plan was made, and the guys took off to enjoy the final Halloween they would ever have. They were well over an hour into trick-or-treating, and they collectively had gotten mediocre amounts of candy. James guessed it was because they were teens and just missed their limit by not being a kid anymore. They walked back toward home when they saw a house that hadn't been seen until now, as if it just appeared. The house looked old and ancient, the perfect vibe of Halloween. The boys went over to the house and realized no candy or decorations were on or around the house. One of the boys knocked and rang the doorbell. The door crept open from the pressure of the knock. With no candy, the rebel teen decided to walk into the house of someone else. The three friends stepped into the foyer. Meanwhile, the door shut and swung hard. A deadbolt locked behind it. Of course, the boys turned, looked, and stared at their surroundings behind them. The door was now locked and sealed. The option of going out the way they came had been removed. Justin, Travis, and James gasped at the door closing behind them. Almost immediately, the attention shifted from the door to the table in the middle of the room. A TV set connected but turned off on the table. James saw a VCR cassette slot underneath the TV. Justin caught on to James' wandering eyes and began helping James look for a cassette tape. Eventually, the two guys found the tape inside a false wall behind the entertainment center. There were a collection of three tapes. Travis had come back downstairs from seeing if anyone were in the house. The three crowded around the old boxy TV and slid in the first tape. Static and buzzing was the only thing seen and heard for a few moments until the tape actually started and the nightmare began. The scene opened and a woman tied to a bar stool sat in the middle of the studio and apartment. The noise and drips from outside indicated that it was raining rather hard. Her mouth muffled 
and her eyes blinded. The woman was heard struggling to cry. Footsteps on the tiled hardwood floor faded into scene. And within seconds, he had a butcher's knife in hand. He drugged the knife across her blindfold until he got to the back of her head. He proceeded to slice in one stroke the blindfold off. The woman with her eyesight free began screaming ferociously through her stares, her panicked glances, and the muffled screams she actually managed to get out. The man behind her began his sinister monologue. Megan, wake up, Megan. You may or may not know me. That would depend on how needy you are at the moment. See, you made a living taking from me. And the only thing that made it better was that you called me your best friend. For years, I was okay helping my best friend with nothing in return. Oh, I'll pay you back. Oh, when my business picks up, you'll have your money in no time. Here we are, six years in, and Megan's business is the number one popular store. Sales are booming. And I still don't have my money, Megan. I thought we were friends. You said we were best friends and that you would always be there for me. My mother died in February, February 2nd, 2026. You know what I did? I called my best friend. I called Megan. Six missed calls and sore red teary eyes later, I figured you were busy. But instead, what I got the next day was, I'm sorry I missed your call. I was with my girls all day. I left it alone and moved on with my life. Two months went on, Megan. No other calls from you. And of course, you call with a favor instead. Thinking my friend was finally coming around. Megan, the last favor you asked me to do sat with me and sat with my soul. You asked me to kill your ex-husband. You didn't care what trouble it would land me in. You just wanted things your way. So when I declined you, when I declined you, Megan, you told me how you really felt. Oh, oh that was a beautiful day for me, but it's gonna prove not to be a good day for you, Megan. I was the worst friend you'd ever had. I never had your back. Those were your words, Megan. Were you upset? Were you angry? Is that how you truly feel, Megan? That was my last straw. I changed my mind, actually. You didn't hear my decline answer. 
You heard Megan wasn't going to get her way. You didn't care. So instead of walking away with Megan hurt and angry at the world, I said, fine, I'll do it. But Megan, the truth, the truth was I was going to kill someone. Oh, yes. In that moment, I decided you're right. They do need to die. But it wasn't going to be the ex-husband. Megan, that leaves us with today. My so-called best friend. I've come to kill you. I'm no expert. I'm no murdering genius. It's plain and it's simple. I can't live with you here anymore. There are no more chances and I don't care about the money. There is just one thing left now. And that's execution. The first tape was paused by one of the boys. That snapped everyone out of their terrified gaze. James shook as he tried to say that we all should leave, but the others felt that they needed a little closure. They decided to continue the god-awful tapes. After his last words, the man proceeded to grip Megan's throat from behind. He made sure she could not see him in his moment of rage. Though this might not have been a power play for him, it might have been for his own sake. Maybe he feared that if she saw him and he saw her, he would break and remember that in the end, they were best friends. His grip around her chin got more aggressive as he began taking little slices out of her neck. Megan squirmed and shouted beneath her gag. The man kept slicing until Megan's soft skin was crimson and scarred. He had just begun his madness and it was clear that he was bound to see it through. He must have gotten the confidence he needed because he walked in front of her and looked at the work he had done so far. Their eyes locked onto each other and a deflated and tired groan tried coming out, but failed when she gathered the energy to do so. Oh, he got bold. He got bold and slit her mouth gag off onto the ground. As her words began coming out of her stained throat, mysterious man shoved his blade directly in Megan's mouth as she tried to plead. Please, Johnny. That bitch, that bitch. How dare you? You beg me now. You beg me once things are no longer convenient for you. Oh, Megan, even in the afterlife, you are still a bitch. Anger took over as the now revealed Johnny repeatedly repeated Megan's last words. 
please, over and over and over again. As he pulled the blade out of Megan's throat, he repeatedly stabbed her, repeating the words, please, after stab, please, after stab. The sound of flesh being repeatedly slashed and gashed made Johnny excited. He stopped stabbing Megan's dead body and looked at her neck. He looked at his lips through the mirror that was on the wall. Blood covered his entire face. His tongue slurped up all of the blood on his lips. He took a handful of Megan's hair and yanked and pulled upward, creating tension and resistance, exposing her throat more. In seconds, Johnny went from stabbing to vigorously sawing off her head. Megan was about to become headless. Blood painted the walls. His face and her face had already been a crimson mask. Ligaments and tissue ripped and tore as he was able to finally rip Megan's head right off of her shoulders. The tape went dark afterwards. The boys stared at one another and proceeded to vomit on the table below. They tried justifying what they saw. Maybe it was fake. Maybe it's a part of the mystique and suspense of the house. That's until James decided to watch the second tape. Travis tried wiping the puke down as he started the next tape. A beautiful red house displayed on the screen. A family of four stood on the porch they one by one walked into the house and closed the door. Moments went by and suddenly each person was mysteriously in a window throughout the house. They just stood there. Before another thought could come through, a fire started visibly in the living room. No one moved an inch the fire raged and progressed ferociously. In no time, the two children were engulfed in fire. No screams, no flinching. The two men stood in the window as they began to receive the fiery inferno. After long, the house was totally engulfed in flames. Their bodies fell into ashes, along with the house collapsing and becoming debris. The videotape ended. What the hell is going on? Travis asked in tears. Wait, where the hell did James go? Justin asked. Travis and Justin looked around and said, well, he will be back wherever he went. It's not like we can leave. They played the final tape while waiting for James. A blank screen with bold white text displayed across the screen. Game over was the message that displayed. The tape ended and before the boys could respond, something struck both of them in the neck. Seconds later, Travis and Justin fell to the ground unconscious. 
Later that night, Travis opened his eyes to see Justin suspended in the air, tied by each of his limbs. Chains and shackles connected his feet to the ground and his hands to the ceiling. Travis was not in any better condition. He was bound to a chair with his arms on its armrests, bound down by straps. Two men walked in with black robes and a black skull mask. The figure stood in between Travis and Justin before one of them removed their masks. What the, <coughs> what the hell, James? Travis exclaimed. This was your costume this entire time? <coughs> you tricked us? <coughs> who, who is that? Travis tried to point to the figure next to him. Blood squirted on Travis's face as he watched his friend be murdered and have to witness the demise of his other friend and himself. The figure walked back to the door he brought in a small table with a camcorder on top of it. He set the camera on the table and hit record. Oh, I see you have found my home. <laughs> Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Johnny. Johnny Blaze. I am the boogeyman your parents warn you about before you walk outside at night. I am the anxious fear you have when you're home alone and you hear a little noise somewhere. It's me. I am responsible for half of the vanishings <laughs> in this city. I see you found my collection of tapes. Luckily for you, you didn't find all of them. I wouldn't want my secrets countered, now do I? Travis, Justin, I like to play a game. 